So we're, we uh, started a series last week um, up called, entitled The High Call of Holiness. The High Call of Holiness. And it seems like a really heady, super religious title, but <laughs> it really isn't. Holiness is something we are called to as believers. And I think it, the world has gotten us really kind of muddied into thinking, you know what, it's okay if we just... If we just look a little bit like the world, if we just act a little bit like the world, because, you know, we're trying to draw them in, right? Because that's how you get people saved at the bars. You go to the bar. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) I mean, come on now. There's got to be a separation, right, between what the church looks like and what the world looks like, right? God has called us to a higher standard, and he has made us righteous, right, by the blood of Jesus. You can't even get to God or get to heaven without being made righteous. But once that happens... He's calling us higher. He's asking us to make some decisions that we wouldn't have made before we knew Jesus, right? Before we understood some things from the word. Is that true? And so this isn't like rules and regulations to try to get us to be pawns in some twisted game that God has. He actually has our best interest at heart. Our best interest at heart. When we, when we act more like Jesus, when we more reflect what the word of God says about us, there is a blessing with that. That means that we're more free. That means we're more able to minister to others, right? It's not about earning anything. Don't misunderstand me. You cannot earn a better position by holiness. You cannot earn a better position by doing what's right. We do what's right. We act right because of what Jesus has done in us. Does that make sense? It's totally different. We're not on an earning plane. We're on a, we already got it. And now because we've got it, because we believe in the Lord Jesus, now we're gonna act like he's asking, asking us to act. Amen? So last week we talked a little bit about what temptation looks like. So turn, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> Jesus was tempted in all points, just like us. Is that true or not? The Bible says he was tempted yet without sin. True? Without sin. So the temptation in and of itself is not sin, is it? It can't be. It cannot be sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted and yet without sin. What what was the difference? He said no to the temptation. No, thank you. I'll pass on that one. I'll pass on that one. Amen? Hebrews 4, 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points. Everybody say all points. He was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You need to underline and highlight that right there. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I think theologians, some, have gotten it wrong where when Jesus was tempted after 40 days of not eating, he was in the wilderness without eating for 40 days. And the Bible says that the enemy came to tempt him, and he tempted him with turning rocks into bread. All right? That was a real temptation. If you hadn't eaten in 40 days and you had the ability to turn rocks to bread, come on, get me some sourdough right now. Hot and piping, right? And the Bible says that was a temptation to him. His flesh said, "Mm -hmm. yep, mama's home bread. I'm ready right now. But he said, no. What? He answered with the word. He answered with the word. This is our key. You got to answer with the word. The enemy took him to the top of the temple and said, throw yourself down and the angels will catch you. And, And the devil quoted scripture. 
He quoted scripture, said, if you, if you fall, the angels will bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. But he misquoted it, right? And the, and the Lord said, nope, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He's not going to tempt God with throwing himself off and seeing if. But the Bible says it was a temptation for Jesus. Some theologians have said it wasn't really a temptation for Jesus. He didn't, he didn't really want to turn rocks to bread. He re- didn't really want to test the throw off the temple. The Bible says he tempted him. That's a temptation you have to say no to. Your flesh wants to do some things you're going to have to say no to, right? Then he takes him to all, to the top of the world and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. The enemy shows Jesus, our Lord and Savior, all the kingdoms of the world. This is the shortcut for Jesus. He knows that if he obeys God, God is going to give him everything. He's going to be the Savior of all, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But the enemy's offering him a shortcut. No cross, no scourging, no pain, no death. The enemy said, you worship me, I give it all to you. You can have it all. There was a temptation to shortcut God's plan. Come on now, it wouldn't say it if it wasn't a temptation. Thank God, right? Jesus said, mm-mm, there's a better way. There's a better way. It is written, amen? When you're tempted, you're gonna have to say something. Not just no. You're gonna have to say it is written. You have to know something in the Bible to counteract the temptation. The temptation in of itself is not sin. It's when we, when we chase it, when we start following it, right? That thought, plat, that thought pattern, when we start making plans to fulfill that temptation, that desire, right? Last week, I asked if, if uh, I had any bank robbers, right? I had about 10 hands, right? People that you've ever, ever walked into a bank and had the thought, I could knock this place off, no problem right? About 10 people went, yep, I've had that thought. There was a temptation. As far as I know, nobody fulfilled that, right? You're all here, free people. But just because you have a thought, just because you walk in and go, this place is a piece of cake, just because you have that thought doesn't mean you have sinned, right? It's when you start casing the place, right? When you hire the getaway driver, right? When you get the ski mask and the explosives, then you've got some trouble. You are going down a path that is going to lead in some confinement, right? And this is temptation. This is, this is how it works. It just goes, ooh, hey, what about this? What do you think about uh, going and having, having that third donut? What about that? Ooh, I think I shall, right? Come on now. If you know on the inside, you should not, right? You need to make good decisions. Is that true? This is how, this is how affairs happen, right? This is how um, poor relationships happen. People just they get their mind on the wrong stuff, and then they feed it, and they feed it, and they feed it, and you're going down the wrong path, I'm telling you, and it gives birth to sin, right? But the temptation in and of itself is not something you should condemn yourself for because Jesus was tempted and yet without sin. So we've got to recognize it early. That's our job is to recognize it early before it turns into sin, yeah? I'm telling you, you save yourself a ton of heartache when you start recognizing that stuff. And all of us have our little our little things, our little vices, the things that our flesh really likes to pull on. They're all different. The enemy tempts us all in different ways, but he knows what has held you up in the past. He knows what's gotten you, right? And he's gonna tempt you with that stuff. When you start answering back with the word, those temptations get fewer and fewer and weaker and weaker. I've experienced it in my own life. You have too. I'm telling you, there's some things that used to pull on you that don't pull on you like they used to. Right, because you just learn to say, Mm-mm, 
That's not me anymore. Man, I've been, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's made me right. I'm a new creature in Christ. Sin doesn't have a hold on me anymore. Yeah? It's important that we recognize that. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, it says, for, that, for in that he himself, that's Jesus, suffered being tempted, he is able also to aid those who are tempted. Because he can, he can bear witness with us. He understands our suffering. He understands that we've been through some t- temptation. So when you're up against something and you are tempted and it's pushing on you hard, go to the King of Kings. Go to Jesus who suffered temptation and yet was without sin. He will give you aid. I think we just try to gut it out sometimes, right? With just sheer willpower. I'm telling you, if you're relying on sheer willpower, you will not make it. You need the grace of God. Amen? But you get the grace of God by faith, by recognizing I'm in trouble right here. I need grace. When you go to him, it's like flooded in of help. It just floods in with help. I'm telling you. It's amazing. Thank you, Lord. So several people last week just came up and said, man, when we were talking about temptation, that really helped. That really set me free because I was beating myself up because I'm having these thoughts and these temptations. And the enemy, come on now, the enemy works in, our, in the thought realm. He will give you a thought that's sin. It's wrong. It's, you shouldn't do it. It's, it's the thought. It's a temptation. He brings it into your thought mind, into your thought pattern, and, you th- and it comes in, and you're like, why am I thinking that? And then right after that, he goes, yeah, why are you thinking that? You're gross. What's the matter with you? You... <laughs> What, what kind of Christian are you thinking that kind of stuff? And he puts condemnation and shame. You see how just evil he is? He's the one that brought the thought, then he's the one condemning you for having it. What a turkey, right? I'm not going to cry one bit when he gets his. Not one tear, right? It's coming. Just recognize it. Don't beat yourself up. But when that comes in, don't, don't fish it around there either. Like, oh, I'm going to spin that around a couple times and see where that goes. Don't do that. I'm telling you, that's a bad path. That'll cost you. Okay. Anybody read Romans 6 last week? A little bit? Okay, read. Let's turn open to it. Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for Romans. God is good. Telling you what? There's freedom all over Romans. Get a hold of that. Dead to sin and alive to God. Amen? Romans chapter 6, verse 1. You guys doing okay? This will help you the rest of your life. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, We were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Come on, that's good news. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, this is verse 5, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. That is a lie from the pit of hell that you cannot get out of sin. No one on the planet that ever existed had to sin, was forced to sin. You had no other choice but to sin. Not one person 
ever. It's always a choice. It's always a choice, right? Even facing death, some of the great martyrs of our history had a choice, right? Renounce, renounce them, renounce the faith, walk away, save your life, claim him, not, not renounce him, refuse to give in, pay with the penalty of your, your own life. Come on now, this, is, this, is, this will set you free right here from sin. <laughs> to, to trick ourselves into believing that we are so deep that there is no way we can get out of this. We have done it for so long is a lie. It's a lie. I'm telling you, it's a lie. And when you believe that, then you're looking to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for help, for strength, for grace. And he's helping you make one decision at a time. Nope, that's not me anymore. Nope, I'm not doing that anymore. That temptation I used to yield to, nope, that's not, that's not even in my nature anymore. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, right? So this is, this is the way we have to begin to think and talk and act. If you want to get out of some stuff that's holding you back, this is the way out. Recognize and realize God has said about me, I am free from sin. I am no longer a slave to obey it. There was a time when I wasn't serving the Lord. There was a time when I was outside of the kingdom of God, when I was serving the enemy. And that flesh, that spirit man, that old man, that was just unregenerate, just wanted to do evil continually right? Not anymore. New creature. This is how we get out. Recognize what God said, believe it, and start talking like it. There's power in that. It will, it will absolutely break stuff off of your life you thought you would never get out of. You agreeing with God. <laughs> your words have power. Amen. Oh me or oh my. Verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Here it is, verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon. Anybody know what reckon means? Consider, ponder, meditate on, right? Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Alive to God. Come on, we're dead to sin. You are dead to it. <laughs> but my flesh wants to do it. Your flesh didn't get born again. Your spirit did, amen? And your spirit is stronger than your flesh, especially when you're feeding your spirit. How do you feed your spirit? With the word, with prayer, in the presence of God, in worship. You got to feed your spirit. Your spirit will rise up and dominate your flesh. It will dominate it if you'll feed it. What you feed grows. What you starve dies. That's just basic science in our world. Is it true? You feed it, it grows. You starve it, it dies. Same thing's true with your flesh. You starve that thing out. You feed your spirit. Guess what? You start winning. You start agreeing with God. You start winning. Amen? You are not a slave to sin. You do not have to obey your, your flesh in its lusts. You can say no. And it's one, one no at a time. One, no, nope, that's not me anymore. That's not me anymore. I'm new. Amen? Therefore, he's telling us, let, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. That means you're going to have to do something about you. Come on now, you can do it. You can. He's given us the power to do it. 
Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Man, this chapter, if you're struggling with something, this chapter will help you. You just read that sucker. You come over through it and more and more and more. You read six and you read six and you read six. Come on, Romans chapter six. I am not a slave to this anymore. Thank you, Lord. Break that sucker off. Why do we want to get sin out of our lives? This is not about earning anything, right? I've done a little bit of plumbing in my life, and on occasion, you'll come across a, a, a drain that's completely clogged. I owned a rental, seems like decades ago. It was a long time ago. I owned a rental, and I had rented it out to these, um, to these folks that were uh, from another country somewhere in South America, and they cooked a lot with grease. I mean a lot. And that's just how they cooked. That's, that was food. But they were pouring the extra grease down the drain. And I was like, man, this will create a clog. And it did, a big, big, big clog. And the problem with sin is it will clog the pipes. It clogs your communication pipe to the Lord. It is not that he loves you less or he has any less uh, attention for you or wants to speak to you less. But when the pipes are clogged, the communication back and forth does not get through. Sin is a clog. It's a grease trap. It just, it's sticky and it's gooey and it grabs everything else that's even trying and it just gloms in there and causes problems. And when we recognize what that is and we begin to weed that out of our lives, the the connection begins to clear the pipes out. When we stop adding to it, it's designed to do that. Our connection with the Lord is designed to wash us clean, to clean out the pipes of communication so that we can fellowship with the Lord. Do you see that? That's, it's for our benefit, 100% for our benefit. Amen. <laughs> so what is sin? Look at Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 9. We have to define sin. I think it's funny we have to design, define sin. But we need, to, we need to look at a few scriptures that define it. Proverbs chapter 14. Why do we have to define it? Because in our human nature, people want to ask and find out what the list is. What's the list of stuff I can't do, right? They want the manual, right? So I can look it up on the index and see if this is okay or not. And if it's not there, hey, free for all. I didn't see it in the book. And the problem with that is, is sin is a heart thing. Sin is a heart thing. The Bible says that if you know to do right and you don't do it, to him it is sin. Well, that's... (laughs) That's not objective, that's subjective based on what God has told that person. (laughs) That's not in the list. It wasn't in the list. I'm okay. God looks at the heart. (laughs) You know, you can't fool God. He knows you better than you know you. You know, you can't come a crying and a wailing and I didn't know and and it wasn't my fault. Yes, it was. And you did know. You can't buffalo him. You, that might work on your mom and daddy or your spouse. You know when your kids are pulling the wool over your eyes. <laughs> Proverbs 14, 9. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. Another version says, fools will laugh at sin, but the godly acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. Come on now, we live in a world where it is sin is mocked, where the word sin is not politically correct. 
You've seen those interviews? They're trying to get some uh, uh, religious teacher, preacher, pastor, evangelist, right, in a worldly interview to say, you know, is, is uh, abortion a sin or is homosexuality a sin? They want to just, man, if they say that word, we're going to hang them up from a tree right now, right? But the Bible says it's a sin, S-I-N, wrong. Nobody wants to hear that. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just trying to be real. It's not okay. We got to call a spade a spade. Is that true? If we're going to be free of some stuff, if we're going to be a morally, you know, uh, Christian people that follows its values, we've got to say, that's not right. It's not wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's wrong. It's, it, it can't be both. It can't be right and wrong. There, there aren't exceptions. Well, what if? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> ignoring sin, this is the problem with ignoring it. See, it says fools laugh at sin, but those who recognize sin will repent. They'll seek reconciliation. When you recognize you've done wrong, get it right right away with the Lord. I'm letting it fester, right? That whole idea of leaving a splinter in until it gets enough fluid around it that it'll push itself out. That is not what you want to do in the spirit at all. Zero. Dig that thing out. Get it gone. Let the body start healing. Yeah? It just festers. causes a problem. Get it out. Recognize it. A, a wise person recognizes it and says, I need to make this right. And I need to do it right now. Okay. Thank you, Lord. The sin will make us hard-hearted. That's the problem. Sin creates clogs in our communication with the Lord, and it makes us hard-hearted. Because we, we let something go and we justify it somehow, and then the next time we do it, it makes it that much easier to do it because we've already justified it once, right? And, and if you let that go, we've seen, well, you see it in the world right now, stuff that 50 years ago was like, you did what? There were things that were illegal 50 years ago that are celebrated today. You, you, you do that enough and long enough, you start to believe what you're doing, and you're hard, you're calloused to the Lord. That is not where you want to be as a servant of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? As saints, as his kids, we want to be soft, pliable, easily turned, easily directed, easily led by the Holy Spirit, true? And sin causes hardness in areas of our lives. That's why he wants it out. It's for our benefit, right? If you can hear him clearly, then you can make decisions quicker, right? You know what to do with more assurance. Is that true? More security. And I heard from him. This is it. When you're doing things you know you're not supposed to, you run into this idea of, did I hear them? Were those just my thoughts? Was that a good idea? You play these games with yourself. Anybody ever been there besides me? I think I heard from the Lord, but <laughs> there's some clog in the pipe there. There's some the lack of clarity from knowing this is my heavenly father and I have heard from heaven. This is the answer. You see, it's better. It's better for those of us, right, as believers that are being led by the Holy Spirit to look at and root out the junk we know we need to get out. Is he really preaching about sin? Yes. Somebody's got to, right? This whole there's no right and wrong thing, totally demonic. Lack of absolute truth. That's the world we live in right now. There is no absolute truth. They don't want to be responsible to a creator because then they're responsible to him for something. True? Do you see that? I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. If there's no creator, there's no responsibility. I just die and vanish. Do what you want. Live what you want. Be free. Don't worry. Be happy. Que sera, sera. Right? Do whatever you want. 
It's, it's totally demonic. There is an absolute truth. There is a creator. There is a judge. We will stand before him. Amen? And those that are believers get rewards. Those that are not have to give an account for their lives and settle with him. It's true, whether you like it or not. 1 John 3 says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness, right? If you break the law in this day and age, right, you are convicted, right? There's a penalty. There's a punishment. Thank you, Lord. Uh, you'll love this one. Proverbs 21.4 says, a haughty look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked or the work of the wicked is sin. A haughty look and a proud heart. That's not even out loud. A proud heart? Let's talk just for a minute about pride. Pride to the Lord stinks. Bad. So let's redefine how we, how we use the word proud and pride. I believe, and I've done this myself, so I'm preaching to myself, right? I believe we shouldn't really use the word proud or pride at all. Even, even American pride, right? You've seen that? Had a t-shirt, right? We should be thankful that we're Americans, grateful. Pride should be nowhere, nowhere in us, right? When Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, right? Right before he started his ministry, he was raised up out of the water. Remember that? The Holy Spirit descended on, on him like a dove, and now he was anointed to minister. A voice came from heaven, our Heavenly Father, and he said, that's my boy. I'm so proud of him. No, that's not what he said at all, was it? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. If there was a moment for somebody to be proud, to speak pride, Jesus had lived sinless. He lived his whole life sinless. He was perfect before the Father and getting baptized and entering into the ministry for which he was called. This is my beloved son. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> no. I love him, and I'm well pleased. I've heard people say, well, I don't care what you say, preacher. I'm proud of my kids. Well, be careful with those ter that terminology, that words. I mean, it's, it seems like semantics. It is not. Pride should be nowhere in us. We should be grateful for our kids, thankful that God has kept them and, and helped them, right? We should be thankful that he's given them to us to enjoy, right, and to raise them. Pride should not be in us. A haughty look and a proud heart. Come on now. I'm just helping you just a little bit. Just a little bit. Amen. Proverbs 24, 9 says, The devising of foolishness is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to men. Another version says, Amplified Classic says, The plans of the foolish and the thought of the foolish are sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to men. The, the complete Jewish Bible says, The evil plans of the foolish are sin. This is where temptation crosses over into sin, right? You're tempted, right, to think about going to the buffet and staying there all day and just going hog wild, right? But when you start to make plans to do this, like, okay, now who's going to watch my kids because I'm going to be there for 12 hours? And, uh, you, know, you know, I've got to, I might have to have a nap in there, so I've got to get a booth in the back. But when you start making plans to totally indulge yourself, right? This is true in uh, people cheating on their spouses, right? Just starting to think about that, that handsome guy that I work with, right? That just, he just treats me real good. And 
right? And you start playing these things out in your mind, finding ways to like get alone in the coffee room and have coffee at lunch and Come on, this is, it's, we're chuckling about it. This is happening right now. That temptation, right, to be flirtatious to whatever goes into action mode, goes into more thought, more plans, more devices. We can apply this to any area that you're struggling with. What are you planning? How are you striving? I mean, I have been guilty of hiding the last piece of cheesecake purposely for my vulture children. Right? And, and that can be dangerous. I just don't want them to have it because I don't want them to be addicted to sugar. So I will eat it for them. If you think that works, you are so wrong because your kids will be you times two. So be careful what you are. Right? <laughs> James 4.17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. See, this matters what you know. It matters what you understand. It matters. Romans 14 says, he who, this is Romans 14, 23, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whoever is not, for whatever is not from faith is sin. He's talking about if something's put before you and you're not sure if it was sacrificed to idols or not and you're unsure, then you need to hold off. Thank you, Lord. This is old time. We don't, we don't eat a lot of meat sacrificed to idols. You should check with your meat guy, right? <laughs> Was this sacrifice to idols? No. Okay, good to know. <laughs> Romans 4 says this, because, verse 15, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transget- transgression. Now, this is telling us something. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is why um, our little ones, right, uh, have this learning curve as they're little. They are, they are understanding that mom and dad don't like them to do certain things, but they don't quite yet at a certain age understand that it's actually sin. It's wrong. They just know that mom and dad don't want them to do that, right? I don't want you to go into my top drawer of my bathroom and take my tweezers, ever, right? Because they never make it back, and when I need them, they're not there, right? They know that I don't like that, but they don't know that if it's a command, if it's something I'm asking them to obey in and they disobey that it becomes sin, they don't know that yet. For there is no law, right? They don't understand it. There's no understanding of the law. There's no transgression. That's why before the law came, there was sin in the earth, but it was not imputed to them because there was no law. It was evil. It was vile. God had to take care of it. It was, it was rampant and a problem. So there's some forgiveness and mercy with the Lord when we don't understand, when we didn't know. So you can see that with the people groups around the world that haven't been reached, right? There's something in them conscience-wise that they understand some things, but there are some things about following the Lord that they, ha- they don't know because nobody has taught them to it, taught them that yet. Does that make sense? This is the mercy of God on these unreached people groups. He knows where there is no law, there's no transgression. Now, here's, here's where we need to be real careful is if we play the fool and say, God, I didn't know. When you did know. Lying is the worst. It's one of the most grievous errors that we can make as human beings and as Christians. Lying. Lying. Think about it. You are saying, I didn't know that when you did. You are using your relationship with other people to deceive, to convince, to manipulate when you know it's not true. 
giving instructions to my kids, right? Telling them I want them to do something. If they don't do it, I need to find out one of two things. Is this rebellion or is this ignorance? Is it rebellion? or Because if it's ignorance, if I did a poor job of explaining to them what I wanted, where they understood what to do, right, then it's on me. There should be no punishment for that, right? But if they understood it and they didn't do it, now it's rebellion. Does that make sense? That needs to be corrected in children. This is why lying's so grievous, because if you pull your kid in, you need to ask them. If something goes wrong, if something goes haywire and it didn't go the way you thought it should go, you got to take a minute. You got to stop what, what's going on and find out, did you understand what I told you to do? And this moment when they're about to answer is going to tell you a lot about the direction that they're heading because the spirit of God on the inside will tell you what's going on and you will know. <laughs> and if your kid says, I did know and I got distracted or I messed up and I didn't do it, right? A penitent heart is something God can always work with. But if they say, I didn't understand it, and they did. Now we're working on something totally different. Now we, now we need to get around back to the heart thing. Because that's not okay. And you'll know in your spirit. You'll know in your spirit. They did know. That's not true. You got to address lying. Come on now. We have a phrase in our house. Tobins don't lie. Tell the truth. Even if, even if it costs you, tell the truth. Mom will ask, Mom will ask one of the kids. Did this happen? And there's a pause, and I'm like, tell the truth. Even if it costs you, Tobins don't lie. Because you know that pause, there's, there's something stirring around like, whew, I mean, what's going on? How can I exit the carousel? Like, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tenuous time right there. But it tells you a lot. Where are you at? What do you think when someone asks you? Because when you tell a lie, there's not you got to figure out how to keep propping it up. Because you you forgot a detail that was important, right? And then you got to tell another lie to prop that side up. And then you got to tell another lie to prop that side up. Man, the truth is just so much easier, even if it's painful. Make sure you're teaching your kids to tell the truth all the time. If it costs them their job, if it costs them a relationship, come on now, it's better to be right with God and tell the truth. That goes for the adults, too. Hmm. So several of you are thinking right now, you've told a lie. You're thinking of it right now. You told a lie. It's either your boss or your spouse or a family member or a neighbor. So, there's something on you and, you, and it's been bugging you for a while. You need to make that right. I mean, you need to make it right right, right away. Because it will fester and stew and it will cause blockage between you and the Lord and between them. Make it right. I'm telling you, it's worth it. If it costs you everything, it's worth it to tell the truth. I've known people that had gotten in marriage mess and they told just enough truth to kind of get through the damage of it, right? And things kind of settle back down and kind of go back, but they didn't tell the whole truth. They didn't, they didn't bear their soul. They didn't get everything off and it was dirty right? And there was still damage. It can't repair when you still got the two by four wedged in there, right? Okay. Think about that. Make it right. I'm telling you, make it right. It's worth it. It's worth it. You feel so good. You'll have to go through some stuff, 
<laughs> Make it right. Thank you, Lord. I, when, I was, uh, when I was about 12, 11 or 12, <clears throat> um, I got in trouble with my dad. And I, I can't remember exactly how it all went down, but I remember we had taken sleds. This was in the summertime, spring, early summer. We had taken sleds from storage wherever they were left, and we were bringing them back to put them away at the house. And when we got home, my dad said, put the, put the sleds inside the house, right? Where, you know, just that was it. That was the instruction. So I grabbed this wad of sleds and walked into the basement door and went, they're in, <laughs> right? And in my 11 or 12-year-old mind, I knew they probably should have gone to the right spot, but I was in a hurry and the weather was nice and my bike was outside. And so I went and rode my bike a little bit and I was around the backside of the house and I had the bike tipped over and I was spinning the wheel. You ever spun a bike tire wheel where you're like running a, a, a playing card or a stick on it, you know, and it makes different sounds and, and the higher you go and the lower you go, right? And I'm kind of a rhythm drum guy, so I'm kind of playing with that and I'm making kind of noise. And it's about 10 minutes or so. And then out of the corner of my eye, this bear of a father comes around the corner. And I realized right away, he's not happy. He's grumpy. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. And and I'm thinking, what is going on? And I remember just a few minutes earlier than that, like in, in our house growing up, we were yellers. Not like in a bad way, but it's a big house. And so you yell to get somebody's attention. You'd yell outside. My mom would walk out the back door and call the cat. Yeah, kitty, 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 kitty. And like the whole neighborhood was like, artist lost her cat. Look for her cat. Anybody see your cat? Anybody see the cat? Send the cat home. I mean, she, you could just hear it all over this little town. And so three or four minutes before my dad comes around the corner, I heard him yell my name from the other side of the house. And I yelled back, what? Nothing. Must not have been important. <laughs> Must not have been important. He comes around, not super thrilled with me, and I got some discipline. One, one of the best disciplines of my life. <laughs> Let's just put it like that. And I was like, man, I, do have, I literally at the moment had no clue why he was so upset. And so it was all over, and I'm asking questions, right? Because this is what happens. I'm asking questions like, what, 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 right? And he was like, I was calling for you all through the house. I yelled your name, and you didn't answer. And I was like, I literally did not hear you calling all through the house. I heard one name on the opposite side of the house, and I yelled back without any answer. And there was this moment where my dad was like, He realized that I wasn't being rebellious. I just literally didn't hear him. I didn't hear him. And so he was apologetic. I was like, well, it's over now. I mean, what do you do? And he's like, you want to return the favor? I'm like, what kid is ever going to take him up on that? And, uh, and it was reconciled and settled. But I got to see my dad apologize, right, for losing his temper. And how he handled that, that was a big deal. That was, for a 12-year-old, that was a big deal. For a parent to apologize to the child. Come on now, parents, you're not above apologizing to your kids when you lose it. It will teach them a lot. It'll show them a lot. But it, it also means that as we're recognizing what's going on in life with sin, we have to see, is this rebellion, like blatant, rebellious disobedience? Or was this just misunderstanding? Was this ignorance? Was this just not explained all the way out you see what i'm saying and so we have to recognize that in ourselves because we can't fool god you will never fool god 
if, it was, if you were wrong and you were disobedient and you missed it, then you need to fess up. Lord, I missed it. I did it wrong. I mean, I would much rather have somebody that's a sinner say, yep, I did it. I was wrong. Why'd you do it? Felt like it. Somebody just right up front with making a mistake. And I mean, you got a way better chance of repentance than somebody saying, well, it's my fault. The devil made me do it. That is not a scripture. (laughs) Confession and repentance is key to prosperity and health. So this is where I want to leave you. If you're in an area like that word just a minute ago, if, you're, if there's something going on in your life that you haven't made right, you haven't gotten right, you're hoping to shuffle it aside to hide it, right? It's going to cause you problems. It's going to cause you problems. I've got a scripture here for, <clears throat> for that. But he, he said that um, if you hide a sin, if you hide sin, it's going to cost you. You cannot prosper if you're hiding sin. Confession and repentance is the key. So as the Lord's leading us through this series of maybe just a few more weeks of the high call of holiness, bringing us to a level where he could really use us to the full effectiveness that we can, where the pipes of communication are not clogged up, we're going to have to be real with ourselves and say, okay, Lord, I've missed it in some areas. I I I haven't been thinking right. I haven't been talking right. I haven't been acting right in some areas in my life, and I need to make some things right. If, you, if you're dealing with stuff in your life and you're just like, God, why am I keep struggling with this? Why, why am I not seeing the breakthrough in my life? Why am I not seeing the prosperity? Why am I not seeing the health? Why? I'm not saying that it's all attributed to some sort of sin in your life. Sometimes we just go through storms. When you are obeying God, what God told you to do, a storm will rise up to try to knock you off course. Is that true? The disciples were in the boat in the storm doing exactly what Jesus told them to do, right? And they thought they were gonna die. The devil was trying to keep him off course because he knew it was on the other side, right? There was deliverance and freedom for someone else on the other side. But there are times when we put ourselves in the storm, when we have disobeyed, when we have clogged the pipes, when we have not listened, we have not been directed. And those are the times we need to discern and recognize, okay, Lord, what do you need me to do? I want to change. I want to make this right. And he will reveal to you what that looks like. And it will be hard, especially if you've been hiding it for a while. It's worth it. I'm telling you, when you can get clear with the Lord and allow that flow of blessing and provision to flow back in, it's not him withholding it, right? You have literally packed the pipes. You and I, we've done it with our own junk where we have kept the flow of God in certain areas of our life. I don't mean you're totally cut off from the Lord, but there are avenues and streams of supply that come down to us from him that we can clog those pipes with our decisions, but we can also clean them out with our decisions, confession and repentance, Jesus preached repentance. He wasn't preaching love and acceptance and just however they are, you just take them in and it'll be okay. He said, no, you need to repent. If you're in sin, repent, make it right, turn it around, amen? Serve God. That's what we're called to do, amen? So I wanna challenge us that whatever's going on in our lives, we, we correct it, we get it right. It's to our full benefit to do it. Man, he wants to bless us and increase and help us. And he's like, man, if you, could, if you could just see what unclogging this pipe will do in your life, you would have done it a long time ago. Thank you, Lord. It's admitting. It's repenting. It's not crying and wailing and, oh, God. It's, Lord, I made a mistake. I knew it. I shouldn't have done it, and I did it anyway. Forgive me. Help me make it right. Amen? Then grace is available right? Repentance is changing. It's recognizing and turning and going the other way. Then grace is available. So if you're struggling, do a heart check. 
Check and see. If there's something you're supposed to be doing that you are not, you need to get on it. If there's something you're doing that you're not supposed to be doing, you need to stop it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. If you need to repent and confess, get it done. Because wisdom and understanding will come in areas and help you to see. This needs to change. Did that help anybody? I mean, I know that's like a, I don't know, almost like a turn and burn kind of sermon, right? But it really is for believers. We need to hear this stuff. We need to make adjustments. Is that true? God wants the best for us. And it requires us to do something about it. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> God is good, right? He doesn't just leave us in our mess and just hope we figure it out sometime. He, like, instructs us. This needs to change. Make this, make this adjustment. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> That's all I've got for today. Let me pray for you. Can I do that?